welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer relationship. I'm George K. with the vendor side. And I'm George A., Chief Information Security Officer. And today we are excited to welcome Ben Kelly, a Senior Business Development Rep. Welcome to the show. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, so we get started with the usual, which is just give us the quick and dirty on how you got into cyber in the first place before we step into the ring. Yeah, for sure. Um, so like a lot of folks, I think uh, it just kind of fell into my lap. I was doing door to door sales for a telecommunications company here in Canada. George, you might be familiar with uh, Bell Canada. Aren't we all? Yeah. We are the- <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was banging on doors trying to sell Internet uh, with them at a school. And then, yeah, a recruiter reached out to me in Calgary, um, offering a BDR position with a uh, security compliance solution called Tugboat Logic. So, yeah, that interview process took about, I want to say, like four months. I thought they had gone with someone else probably three or four mm. times and kind of gave up. But, yeah, I ended up getting the job and uh, been here since. So Nice. Yeah, four months is a while. I mean, you think that yeah, I from think a sales that perspective, was, they would want to start right away. Yeah, yeah. So this was in um, the summer of 2021. Um, I think that what happened was they were going through what I thought was a Series B funding round, but it turned out mm. they were just getting acquired. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of why it took so long, I guess. But yeah, here I am now. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into it. You are on the vendor side, so that means the CISO gets first crack. Uh, George A., over to you. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so this is kind of interesting because uh, from what I understand, uh, George has been kind of hyping you up for a little bit. You seem to be someone who has uh, taken to the gospel of no bullshit sales that we have tried to <laughs> preach <laughs> through our little adventure doing this passion project. Um, I, I guess... I'd like to kind of get an idea of how you have found, I guess, the feedback both from your employers and your partners and, of course, your customers and your prospects and the whole like going against the grain of the whole spray and pray. I'm going to throw an industrial sized fishnet and maybe get one or two sales out of a thousand opens. Um, Mm -hmm. How has the authentic approach benefited your business and just really has your organization bought into it? Yeah. Yeah. So first thing, feedback from prospects and people that have turned into customers is always super rewarding. Like Mike, for example, he's just still a prospect, of course. But uh, yeah, just even hearing stuff like that, just like, hey, I really love your approach. Um, that's mm-hmm. probably the most rewarding aspect of it. But yeah, my, my organization is certainly buying into it um, right now with different trainings and things like that. There's a whole different approach going on. We're, we're kind of referring to the CISO role as the veto role like the mobster and it's like, don't bring anything to veto unless it's like really, really good and authentic. And yeah, they are, they are buying into it, which is nice. I appreciate it. How do you like that casting George? I mean, like, look, man, I will take, uh, <laughs> what was it? Who played veto? How did I forget? Who plays veto again? What was okay. it? Uh, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. Yeah. Marlon Brando, like right before he got too fat to be accepted. No, no, he was too fat. They couldn't film up the legs down <laughs> yes, for that movie. That's right. Yes. So outside of that, I do think um, that is kind of like, I wish CISOs had that kind of power. Like, I know there's like all this sort of hype about it, but dude, like I have to go through so much stakeholder alignment 
just to make any financial uh, any any decision with financial implications. Um, so I mean, I don't know. Maybe you deal with some CISOs who do have that kind of authoritarian power. If you know who they are and where they work, let me know because I can love to have that job when they're done. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm just kidding, Ruby folks. I love where I work. Um, but yeah, like you know, I, I think it's important to understand kind of who the critical stakeholders are in any kind of engagement. And realistically, you know, like your CISO, when it comes to security software acquisition or services, they're like the leading spokesperson. But at the end of the day, there's probably like an architect Mm -hmm. or a CIO and a CTO in there that you also have to convince. So I feel like that logic, like don't bring veto bullshit, that probably applies to everyone across the board that you deal with. And I'm sure in any typical sales cycle, you probably talk to a handful of IT executives beyond security, right? Yeah. Yeah. So too long didn't read, don't waste the Godfather's time. Exactly. (laughs) I'm a film nerd. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. So Ben, talk to us about kind of the outline of your general philosophy to outreach. You know, what do you find is working for you versus I think what we see more commonly, right? We, we brought you on because we heard this story that, you know, you're not sending 3000 emails a week. You're sending better crafted enough to get someone who's as jaded as Mike Rogers to sit up and take notice. So just talk to me about that outreach philosophy. Yeah. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying that I'm certainly guilty of doing the spray and pray method early on in my sales career. I think you've got to be really bad at something before you can be decent at it. So when I Take first that. started my SDR role, I was most certainly spraying and praying and, you know, doing like a hundred, 150 dials a day, cold calling mm-hmm. people, things like that. I, I still do cold call, but I'm a, I, I surrender control rather than like controlling them. It's like, Hey, I didn't mean to bother you. Yes. I absolutely did mean to bother you. You know, I'm trying to get your Mm -hmm. time. So I've kind of like switched it to surrendering, surrendering control to them as opposed to trying to control the narrative and things like that. But now I I really just kind of try to sell how I would want to be sold to. Um, Well, wonders never cease. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And I'm kind of a sucker too. Like I got hustled in a pet smart the other day. So but and I would I welcome all types of sales outreach. Anytime I get one, the odd time that I do, I uh, you know I'll hear them out and, and things like that. But I really just at the end of the day, I just try to be respectful and uh, sell how I would want to be sold to and treated how I would want to be treated. So cool. So I think that that kind of leads into the whole humanization piece, and we're, we're always talking about like what's the empathetic approach, right? Like I, I think. The one thing I would want to understand from you, especially now that you're trying to do things in this more, you know, humanized kind of manner, how do you deal with folks on the buyer side who are used to, I guess, just the nonsense of these sort of cheap come and go sales folks who are constantly just inundating inboxes and then calling you inappropriately and all that kind of stuff. So if you deal with like, let's say a real salty CISO, was like, fuck another BDR. God damn it. <laughs> how do you break through? And, and how have you managed to be like, hey, dude, I'm here to be your partner, man. I'm not trying to screw you. Yeah, um, I've certainly ran into uh, my fair share of salty CISOs in my day. <laughs> that goes without saying. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm so used to it now. And like rejection, I'm just totally fine with it. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't push. Like if they're if they're super busy and they're like, hey, man, like, fuck off. I don't, I don't have time for any of this. I'll say, Hey, I apologize. Like, would I, would I be overstepping here to maybe send you an email? You know, I just, 
really try to hammer down that like I'm I'm respectful of their time and I'm if they don't have the time right now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know try and keep them on the phone or you know keep keep the conversation going if it, if they want it to be ended so what do you find is the typical response to that question do you you know would I be out of line if I sent you a follow up email uh, most folks they're like yeah go ahead whatever if they're in a, if they're in a bad mood they're really like, yeah fuck it send me an email you know and yeah but I think I mean. Again, it sounds so simple. It seems so intuitive, but just like acknowledging like, okay, hands up, overstepped. I'm just going to ask for permission instead of like, okay, cool, hang up and then hit send. Right. Cause there's sort of, the blood is still up. They're still feeling negative about it. You know, just having that one beat to say like, just ask, can I send you an email? You know, maybe they open it. Maybe they don't. For sure. Um, I think like. I don't know. Relationships are certainly built on trust. And that's probably if, you know, if you run into someone that's really pissed off um, and you, you were to say something like that, they'd be like, okay, this guy's really not trying to, you know, screw me here. Um, mm-hmm. He's respectful. Then maybe they will open it and uh, get a response. So, yeah. So um, I want to dig in a little deeper. So again, as we've said many times already, you were referred to us by a past guest and a CISO you managed to get a conversation with. So, Without going into the details of that email, which you don't need to, I am curious to understand what do you think is the quality of that email? What is the intangible? Was it very tailored to his business? Was it uh, referring to something he'd posted on LinkedIn? Like what, what is that approach to the craft? Because you are sending fewer emails, so ostensibly more time is spent on them. So I'm keen to understand kind of the structure, I guess, of the email. Yeah, so that's that's 100% true, but it's not true for Mike Rogers. This was actually like a, a pretty big fluke, to be honest. It was on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and our CISO at OneTrust had met with the sales team and he was just going over. He's like, he's just the mm. amount of sales outreach that he gets on LinkedIn, et cetera. Um, and it turns out Mike had posted, I, I had just connected with him on LinkedIn. Um, and it turns out he had posted something about like the amount of sales outreach he's getting. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. And he had another post about uh, him playing hockey or something. And before I even like had a look at his LinkedIn, I just assumed both of those things. So my first question was, hey, Mike, like appreciate the connection. Just out of curiosity here, like uh, our CISO had let us know the amount of sales outreach he's been getting as of late. Uh, how many uh, LinkedIn messages do you get on a daily basis? Um, and so it, it resonated with him because he had a post about it two weeks ago that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. So bit of a fluke. And then, yeah, we just kind of started shooting the shit, shooting the breeze. Um, turns out, yeah, he is a hockey fan and plays hockey as well, which was another assumption of mine. But um, so, yeah, that, that wasn't necessarily the case with Mike Rogers. But um, what goes into it with, you know, typical outreach to I mean, I work in strategic. Um, so just a fancy word mm-hmm. for Fortune 500 companies. So just research. Um, I work with a really good account executive that's super dialed in right now. And she kind of just feeds me a lot of really good information and I'm able to just make my outreach super relevant. Um, and yeah, able to peak interest enough for them to, uh, ask for a meeting. So. That's cool. So I, I just want to pull that thread a little bit, that relationship between you and the AE. So I've seen two structures I've seen, you know, basically joined at the hip and you're sort of working these accounts side by side. Sometimes it's like AE wants to go title wise, you can sort it that way. They want to go VP above. They're like BDR, take director below. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I'm going to take, you know, the top accounts within my patch. You take the bottom two thirds. 
but talk to me about that relationship. Talk to me about it's, but I, cause I've also, I've seen that to be the most effective. Whereas sometimes it's just like BDRs are assigned by territory and you, that territory may also encompass like multiple reps and you're just like round robining whatever meetings come in. Right? Yeah. That's, that's when things get super messy for sure. Um, so yeah, my, my account executive just simply doesn't have time to prospect. So, um, mm-hmm. she'll give me like a list of, uh, people that she, she's might've met with in the past or nice accounts that are, are ripe for uh, a new solution that we're, we're offering. So, um, yeah, she doesn't give me, it's, it's a bit of like granular information. Then it's kind of up to me to do the extra little bit of research in order to, um, you know, get them on the hook for a meeting. So, um, okay. yeah, no, it, it really helps, um, having a, an AE that's super, super dialed in, uh, at what she does. And it, it kind of makes my job a lot easier to be honest. And when you say research, can you pull on that a little bit? Is it like you're, you're looking at 10 K filings or you're looking at news or you're looking like what is research encompass? Cause I can be in a lot yeah, of So for like true cold outbound 10 Ks for sure. Um, mm-hmm. for current customer accounts that we're looking to upsell a different solution to, um, just researching like notes in Salesforce or CRM, um, you know, what they might've been talking about before I'll reach out to like a customer success manager and talk to them about conversations they might've had with these people. Um, it's I mean, like, again, again, it feels and it sounds basic, but you'd be surprised. This guy right here has gotten cold outreach from companies he's currently in POC with, which is like, I, you know, I know wires get crossed in CRM, but it, it that, that experience is, I mean, you lose trust really quickly. If I, yeah, I, yeah. I can tell you that it was one of the biggest contributing factors in me choosing not to go for the buy with that company. And they came in with like the, one of the best reputations in the industry for their solution category. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm actually guilty of this, George. A. I've definitely reached out to a company, um, in my sales career and they're like, Hey, we're like deep in negotiations with your, <laughs> oh, I'm like, just like shot myself in the fucking foot. Yeah. It's, it's um, and, that, I think that just comes down to like CRM hygiene, just like yep. and people not being aligned. But yeah, it, it happens uh, more than more than you can imagine. Dude, I, I don't blame you. Like I've had to do like when I was working consulting, I've had to use Salesforce. And like it is a like a legitimate part of your week that you have to pull out time for to update mm-hmm. all your various prospect profiles in Salesforce. It's totally yeah. understandable when like some people either just you know, they get too tired or they don't have time or whatever it is. But yeah, like it's, it's something that should be fixed, but we're not here to solve that necessarily. Mm-hmm. Word. Yeah. 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 That's process. Yeah. Cool. yeah one All thing right. What about that? It's not super uh, related, but when it comes to like an AE and BDR relationship, when BDRs do this and, you know, make a mistake like that, um, they stop being fed, you know, the good information to book these meetings and get these opportunities because they don't have any trust with their AE anymore. You know, they might've lost a deal due to, Mm-hmm. yeah for sure all right well it's a good place to wrap for a moment we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back hey bare knuckle brawlers thanks for listening if you like what you hear be sure to subscribe to the show and follow our linkedin page for updates including upcoming swag giveaways and now back to our conversation with ben kelly and we are back, and it is time for the sales gauntlet. 
This is the rapid fire round of common sales challenges. George A and I will take turns putting them in front of you, Ben. And we want to hear a one to two sentence answer as to how you would confront the challenge. All right, George A, up to the plate. What makes you think your solution can solve my problem? Uh, well, I don't think my solution can pro- solve your problem just yet. Uh, I'd welcome a, a further conversation uh, to run, you know, a further discovery here and uh, see if it actually can solve your problem. All right. This is my cell phone. How did you get this number? Uh, I'm sorry, George. Uh, would I be overstepping here to send you an email? Mm, clever pivot. <laughs> <laughs> the industry rating agencies said that your product is subpar. Why should I believe you? Uh, well, you shouldn't believe me. You should uh, perhaps believe uh, one of my account executives who will be able to showcase the product a little bit better than I possibly could. Yeah, I just got off the phone with one of your competitors. Talk to me about pricing. I just want to compare apples to apples. Yeah, so we've got uh, completely transparent pricing on our website. I can send you a link right now if you'd like. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> I don't trust you. This seems like you're selling me snake oil. Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't trust me either. Uh, just a random phone call out of the blue. Um, I'd welcome a, a, a phone call where we can demonstrate uh, how we can actually provide some value to your business here. Yeah, I think I've already got something like this in place. Like, why would I rip and replace? Well, uh, if that's the case, I say if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, would you be open to staying in touch? Should your needs change? Whoa, ace. That was a really good one on that last one. You didn't even you didn't even pivot to the to the sales or the objection handling. Nicely done. Thank you. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, Ben, uh, full marks. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Made it through alive to the other side. Okay. So now we uh, round to home, and it's the brass tacks portion of the show. So we talked a lot about in the first part your particular approach, but we are trying to maybe elevate those best practices for others in the audience who are curious. So my question to you is what is the first piece of advice that you would pass to a new BDR in your organization? A new BDR in my organization. Um, I would say, I remember listening to the the podcast you guys did with Kayla and she said that um, product knowledge isn't like her first of mind thing. And I, I agree with her to an extent there, but if you're going to be talking to highly technical people about a highly technical product, I would say the first thing I would do uh, would be to get up to speed just so you can have a thorough conversation with, you know, George A, for example, about mm-hmm. how your solution can help them and, you know, have business conversations as well as security conversations. Nice. So I, I got to ask then... How do you then look to, let's say, not the the initial kind of conversation, but let's say you get into a demo and let's say the, the CISO's there, they're excited to show you off. They might even convince some of the architects or the CIO, but then let's say another stakeholder's at the table. Let's say someone from design's there, or let's say, you know, chief revenue officer's there or something. Mm-hmm. They're not a fan of you, but then you do have some champions on the inside. How do you approach prospect organizations where the room is divided? Um, Hell yeah, I've never really been in that situation before. That is a great question, though, George. I've never been like on the closing side of things yet. 
I, w- I would hope to be soon. But um, I think the solution that is just multi-threading, I think they call it, like getting as many people involved as possible in an organization throughout a sales deal. Um, but yeah, that, that does happen because one person can kill a deal for sure. If one person says no, it's toast, right? So. All right. So you get handed a cold account, right? It's been on the list. Um, walk me through your process, both from, you know, research to even who you're going to go after first. Right. Okay. So research, yeah. 10 K is boring as it is reading those fucking things. 10k for sure i'll pull up a 10k command f and maybe look at their the risk they've listed if they're a public company um and then yeah i'll probably try to start connecting with folks on linkedin um mm. through the information security organization um and then yeah I, i'm not going to hit anyone with a, a pitch vomit slap as i like to call it right off the bat <laughs> when someone connects with you and they're like um hey yeah appreciate the connection and then they're just like send you a one page yes. of nonsense. I'm I get a lot of those. I, I, I get a lot of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I can't lie. I, I'm guilty of that as well. I did that early on for sure. Um, but yeah, just try to start uh, building relationships or just even having a conversation with folks would be the first thing that I would do. Spread the word, basically. Nice. So sorry, let me double click there. When you connect with them on LinkedIn, walk me through that process, right? Because, you know, George A probably gets... I don't know, half a dozen to 20 BDRs somewhere in some outfit trying to connect with him because he's got CISO in his title. Mm-hmm. So like, what's that approach look like? Probably just like a blank uh, connection request. I won't say anything. If it's accepted, I'll say, hey, George, appreciate the connection. Hope all is well. Um, if he answers, which he probably wouldn't. <laughs> if he did answer, though, I'd try to start a conversation. Uh, and it wouldn't necessarily be around uh, his company or mine, just a conversation in general. And if the relationship uh, goes anywhere, then if, if there's a need that arises, I would probably um, bring up something that I thought could maybe help him. Nice. All right. So just on, on the whole LinkedIn piece, like how much attention do you get? Because it, it's a very hit or miss thing. Like there are... There are some CISOs that kind of stay um, really within the fortress of their employer. So like they're on LinkedIn, but really they're just, they're interacting through private messages only. They're not posting any comment mm-hmm. uh, or any content, excuse me. But I do find that there are a lot of CISOs out there who are posting about relevant, especially technical concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever like follow someone that you've connected with or someone that you'd like to connect with? And then based on the content that they provide, if they happen to put content out, do you use that as a means of kind of bridging conversation? Because oftentimes, I'm not saying every time, but oftentimes if they're posting about a thing and it's like a substantive kind of write up with it, it's probably an issue they're really dealing with at work, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, t- it's in their brain, right? It's occupying their brain space. Yeah, I, I do do that. Um, but Sometimes people do that just for the sake of doing that, right? They're just like, that's just a way to get in. It's like, they don't actually give a shit about what you're talking about. If you're writing about something and I'm curious about it, then I'm going to ask you rather, whether I'm trying to, you know, get, get you into a meeting or not. So yeah, I definitely use that. I think that's the right energy. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we always talk about meeting at Black Hat, but I think weeks, months before that, George and I were sort of circling each other on LinkedIn because we were doing a lot of posting a lot about nation state stuff at the time because he's got the signals intelligence and CTI background. And I'm just fascinated with 
North Korean assholes. Um, so yeah, I think, so we had some sort of commonality, bef- just an interest before we, you know, met each other, made, uh, in-person meeting. Um, cool. Well, I don't think I have any further questions. I dig the vibe, Ben. I dig the humanity in the whole process. Yeah, honestly, dude, if I ever meet you, I fucking, I gotta bring a bottle of Screech out. We gotta have some shots. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> have you been to uh, Newfoundland, George? I have, yes. I was in the army for a long time. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I went to, I got Screeched in last summer. That was, uh... Uh, it's like battery acid going down, bud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they gave, uh, it was COVID. So two summers ago, actually, but yeah, it was COVID. So they put like a mask on the fish and we get Screeched in and... We couldn't oh. eat the fish, so they gave us like a fried piece of bologna or something. It's, dude, it's like between that and moose milk in the winter. Yeah, exactly. Very yeah, Canadian morning. thing. Sorry, George. I, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm here for Canada. <laughs> you are, because you'll be here next week. I will be there. I will be there. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a good time. Well, Ben, thank you for being patient with the rescheduling thank you for lending us your time and your energy i dig the vibe i hope this is the new gospel and more to the point it's effective right you are getting a higher meeting count with this strategy than you were with the you know throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and i think if we can just you know people are focused on kpis but you know it's working That's it for Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks this week. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a rating or a review and share on all your socials. It helps others find the show. Next week, we will be back with a very special episode recorded live in Toronto at the Canadian Women in Cybersecurity Conference. And stay tuned for next week. Listen, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts.